So we're calling our Lenten series, uh, series The Essentials because we want to use this time and space uh, of Lent, the six weeks preceding Easter, um, to return to the essentials of our faith. And this looks different for all of us, right? But basically, we're reorienting ourselves in this season. Wherever needed, we are re-examining the rhythms in our lives, and we are recentering ourselves, grounding into habits and spiritual practices that nourish us and sustain us. Um, and so in this way, Lent truly is a paradox. It's a paradoxical season because we're journeying toward something, right? We're journeying toward Easter. We're moving toward resurrection. And yet simultaneously, Lent is a decisive return. We're returning to God, returning to ourselves, returning to what's good for us, what's essential within our faith seasons and cycles. So when I consider what is essential as it relates to my spiritual path, which is to say as it relates to my path, cultivating spaciousness, like an inner spaciousness, is at the top of my list. Truly, I believe that our most urgent and important spiritual work right now is that of expanding capacity because people want, or rather we need, to be able to face the day. We need to be able to confront the reality of our lives, our own mental states, which include sometimes stress, or maybe anxiety, or maybe addiction, or maybe depression, whatever various traumas are impacting us on a daily basis, Many have the well-being of kids in mind who we have been tasked with, no big deal, stewarding their emotional development and physical needs. <laughs> We've got the care of our homes and all that requires, the care of parents, family members, or friends who need our support, and plus just the energy of pouring into our relationships. The burden of our daily work and the tasks, time, and relationships that go into that. Not to mention the many injustices we observe and often contribute to in this world that is dominated by systems of power. We also need to be able to confront sickness when it inevitably comes. Injury when it inevitably comes. Disaster, tragedy, crisis, heartbreak, loss, and grief, which is to say suffering when it inevitably comes. Daily, we are confronted with any number of these sorts of realities. And so yes, we don't just want, but we desperately need to be able to face our days with some level of hope that this day won't be the one where we buckle under the weight of it all, and that beyond, not simply caving, we might also dare to be happy every once in a while. Many people seek out faith communities for this very reason. These kinds of spaces and ideologies are meant to provide us with the nourishment needed to live our lives well and to live our lives with communal support. 
I'm a believer that spiritual resources and faith community can sustain us and fuel us. I can't always explain why well, but I've experienced it. I hope you have too. I've borne witness to it. And I believe it's true that when we experience divine support, both vertically divine support from God and horizontally, you know, divine support, faith community, and when we feel equipped with divine resources, our capacity for the hard and the healing stuff of life expands. And our ability to face each day, no matter what it may bring, hopefully increases. So our spiritual work is really urgent stuff because the fruits of it are what often enables us to move through each day with a steadiness, equipped with things like peace and hope and courage in tow, but also so that we can show up as participants in this world. Some days or seasons, it's all we can do to just go through the motions of our own damn lives. On other days and in other seasons, we lend what energy we have to the pilgrims around us because Christ has no body but us. We are his hands and his feet. And so I'll say it again. Some of the most important work we can do is that of expanding our capacity, the spiritual spaciousness within us to believe that we have what we need to care for ourselves and to contribute to the needs around us. So my personal view, how I view my work, I guess, as a pastor, is to empower people to recognize the capacity that already exists within them and to gently and patiently help cultivate expanded capacity. It's simply a posture we can daily choose, a way of being in this world we can make the necessary and needed shifts to take such a posture at any moment. And this morning, I want to invite us to think about this in the same way as we do abundance and scarcity. We're learning to look within ourselves and see abundance rather than scarcity. We're learning to look within ourselves and see good and worthy instead of broken and undeserving. This is why my starting point is always Imago Dei, why I always go back to the image of God, Imago Dei, an image of God in us. We're made in God's image, God's spirit lives within us, and is ever supporting us and guiding us. So we are empowered by divine resources that are already within us. And we can develop a posture of expanded capacity because our ability to take such a posture already exists in abundance. We're not starting from scratch here. We can learn to be people who return to this uh, well daily, drinking from it, hydrating ourselves, and then facing the world with full cups. This well never runs out. This is the truth of Imago Dei, of divine resources, of abundance. The theme of abundance is woven throughout all of our lectionary readings today, which is why I tried to include so many of them on the second Sunday of Lent. In particular, in every reading, abundance is consistently connected to future generations. Now, 
I've always thought it was cool when people have things from their family where they're like, this is, was my great-grandfather's tie, or I don't know what people have. But like, my family never really had a lot of heirlooms that were passed down. But when I really think about it, and my dad's here today, is he listening? Um, when I really think about it, I'm glad that I received what I did from my dad, a strong faith with a healthy combination of both reverence and irreverence. And I'm grateful for the propensity toward the mystical that I no doubt also inherited from him. That part has been really valuable to me throughout my faith journey so far. But what I'm speaking of is a posture inherited, a posture that was cultivated, modeled, and then handed down to me. When I think about it in light of our readings today, it makes me wonder what our lives would look like if our concern for future generations, or even just the days ahead, began with a posture, a way to live in this world well. But here's the thing, in order for us to pass down or to pass on a hopeful and helpful posture, we must first possess it ourselves. What if we prioritized such a posture? What if this was our primary spiritual work? What if our motivation to grant that for ourselves wasn't just for our own sake, but also for those who come after us? What if we learned to live like a good ancestor now? Matriarchs and patriarchs of love, wisdom, and stewardship. I'm suggesting that Lent is a fitting and handy practice ground for this. The pillars of Lent are traditionally prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, which is like charitable work or charitable giving. So the foundation of this season is uncomfortable because there's a level of discipline and a level of self-denial involved. As a result, we often see the season of Lent as restrictive and rigid, which can often feel harsh and like pointless piety. But ironically, the actual gift offered to those observing Lent authentically is spaciousness. Not restrict restriction and rigidity, but spaciousness. When we pray, we're making room for divine connection. When we fast, we're hopefully choosing to sacrifice something that was not helpful to us or possibly even harmful to us in our daily lives. And when we give, we're taking resources and time that might have been in, um, used in ways that were not actually needed. And we're giving instead to another in need. In other words, we're creating all kinds of space in our lives and in others. Space to hold the gray areas, space to hold all our unanswered whys, and space to hold the mystery of faith. In today's reading from Romans, which was the video that played prior to this, faith is lifted up and it's differentiated from law. Law is all rigidity, doctrine, prescriptions, even logic sometimes. Whereas faith is all grace, mystery, the unknown, even uncertainty. Here is where we want to be. There are not always answers to our questions here. There are certainly no platitudes, so hallelujah for that. But there is divine presence, and with it, inexplicable peace 
hope, love, joy, divine resources, and so on. With these resources comes power, strength to carry on. On the good days, maybe we don't require such a strength. But then there are the days when we don't think we can manage it. On these days, nothing makes sense. And so having the capacity to just put one foot in front of the other comes from the things of faith on these days. The mystery, the unknown, the certainty. This is why we need to cultivate the spaciousness to entertain such things. When we plant seeds, I'm going into gardening, I'm getting excited. When we plant seeds, we don't plant for instant gratification. We don't plant and then, you know, get our, our harvest. We plant for future hope. We plant for eventual bloom. But in order to plant, we must first make the appropriate preparations. We tend the soil. We make room for the land to receive the seeds, whether we toss out and scatter or place the seeds in carefully placed rows. Either way, room is required. We need space. We need space for eventual growth. We need space for eventual harvest. To scatter, we need to have space for the fruits of faith. We must create the capacity to hold such a faith within us. The season of Lent is one way, not the only way, of course, but one way to expand our capacity. For six weeks, we create spaciousness in our lives through prayer or adding some consistent spiritual practice, through sacrifice that centers us and grounds us, through giving of our time and resources, or through honoring the season in some other way. For six weeks, we journey, and the bonus about Lent is we journey in community. Though Lent is, you know, a personal experience, partly concerned with our inner landscape and our posture in this world, we journey alongside each other and those we don't even know all across the world. We share timelines for a moment, walking side by side. We carry each other's burdens, lighten each other's loads, and just by doing so, we contribute to an abundant shared well of support. Here, we nourish each other and energize each other to continue on in this labor of living. So I think Lent is just low-hanging fruit. It's collective energy and support that already exists whether we choose to step into the flow or not. Stepping in, though, will encourage us to scatter whatever seeds are needed in our days, our rhythms, and our lives so that we can experience the harvest when it comes, resurrection when it comes. Many people don't realize this, but Lent is the six weeks before Easter. It's a 40-day season leading up to Easter, beginning on Ash Wednesday. But if you count all the days starting on Ash Wednesday to Easter, uh, you'll count 46, not 40. This is because Sundays are not included in Lent, but rather considered little Easters. Though we traverse the depths during Lent, facing the reality of ourselves and the realities of our world all at once, Little moments of resurrection and reprieve are still scattered all along throughout our journey. Every time we recognize this, it's like a return. There's that paradox again of moving toward Easter and return all at once. Lent will remind us that though our journeys are rarely linear, simple, or fair, 
The depths are temporary and resurrection is possible at any moment. In our gospel reading today, Peter didn't have the ability to see ahead with trust and imagination, meaning he didn't yet have the capacity to see ahead with faith. We know he got there eventually, and eventually Peter, the rock of the church, passed something on long after he was gone. The same is true for us. Maybe we don't have the imagination or the capacity to face our circumstances right now, but eventually the spaciousness we have toiled at tending will make room for faith. May it be so. May we find our own ways to honor this season, to participate in the work of Lent, so that we are prepared to recognize and receive every resurrection moment that is offered to us. I hope we can choose to live like ancestors now, though the future is unknown to us. I hope that we can live in care of what is and what could be ahead of us, knowing there's no blueprint here, only listening for yourself as we journey together. There's a song that I recently fell in love with by Casey Musgraves called Deeper Well. Has anyone heard it? In it, she says something like, I'm getting rid of the habits that are real good at wasting my time (laughs) so other things can glow. I've gotten older, now I know how to take care of myself. I've found a deeper well. You should go listen to it. Um, I don't think she meant to, but she kind of summed up Lent. Um, So if all of this was too much information for you, um, or if it's not resonating, or if you're just trying to survive today, remembering this one part is enough. (laughs) Lent is a time to find your deeper well. It is taking a deeper well posture by daily listening to your life and the spirit nudges you will inevitably receive. This small shift is enough to create a spaciousness, the capacity needed to face each unknown day. Moment by moment, one foot in front of the other, may it be so, amen.